Thursday, March 30th. Welcome to the Sports Clock. I'm Jamal Cox, and with me as always, you know him, you love him, Justin Kelly. Say hello to the people. Jamal, how are you? What a Thursday. Almost the last day of March. In like a lion, out like a lamb. That's what they say. (laughs) Absolutely. It feels that way. (laughs) It does. It feels that way. It does. You and I both took a little time away from Victoria last weekend. We got out. Spring break is in full swing. Well, now it's coming to order to close, but we made an effort to get out of town and clear our heads and spend some time with our loved ones. I went north. You went south. Divide and conquer. The sports gloss is everywhere. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. So let's. I want to hear about your trip. You went back up to BC. Went up to Black Creek, up to the homelands. Had a wonderful time. Beautiful, beautiful. Black Creek's always beautiful, but especially in the early spring. spring Black Creek always mm, a couple of weeks behind Victoria and the, the conditions still a little wintry up there, still chilly, not as green as you'd like it to be as a person who's outside and connected to the greens. That was a, it was, <laughs> it's a little bit behind. Black Creek was wonderful, really chill, bike rides and runs, a lot of roasting of marshmallows. We're on the beach, on the sand. We're looking for crabs under the rocks. Kids got a kick out of that. Saw some friends, hung out around the fire, and um, what might be the highlight or one of the highlights was four quality episodes of season five of The Sopranos. Oh, Oh, really? What a treat. That show still holds up. One of my favorites. I freaking love The Sopranos. Who's your favorite character? This was Polly Walnuts' best season. Like, he's really doing some acting here. I mean, James Gandolfini is just otherworldly in this there's a dream sequence in this season it's spectacular uh who's my f- ah it's hard to pick one stevie van zandt i'm fond of stevie van zandt just because i know how quality is in another genre yeah um they're all great jc who's yours you know what admission here hmm. didn't really get into it oh i watched a few episodes yes I don't know. I can't give you a good answer, yeah. honestly. I know I'm I'm associate I'm kind of initiated in the world. Yes. But I I don't know to a point where I can uh can give you a solid answer. So apologies. Uh, get into it and get back to me. I mean, the show's been off the air for 20 years, so it shows Spoiler you how alert. So it shows you how far behind I am, but it still holds up. It's still great. We got a sort of a couple loose seasons on DVD yeah. up at the Little House in Black Creek and fuck, it's great. It's great. Um, on a more exciting note, now you, <laughs> you know, you headed south, uh, back to the country of your birth. Yeah. Um, but close to Victoria, paint the picture for me. Now, you know, I've been talking to you about international waters. You went down to Seattle, you took the Clipper Ferry First off, how was the traveling? Traveling was great. It's been years since I took the Clipper. And we left on Friday night at 5 p.m. So we got into Seattle at about 8 or so. Perfect timing. It's perfect perfect timing. Just just in prime time. Just in time to turn up. Heck yeah. So I should say as well, it was a solo, not a solo trip, but just an adults only trip, if Mm. you will. It was just me and my wife. We left the kids behind with the grandparents. So we were ready for everything. Seattle doesn't accept kids anymore. Bless their hearts. (laughs) They turned you away at the border. But it was a smooth ride. It was great. It's interesting people watching on the Clipper on a Friday night, seeing who's going down to Victoria. You got 
bros from deep in Cowichan or Souk that are wearing their camo. Nanaimo, Nanaimo. They got their clean boots on. Sure they do. They, yeah. <laughs> they're, go- they're going out boots? They're going out boots. Yes. Got the nice hats on, all that stuff, looking right for the... <laughs> the <weekend>. nice hats. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's an interesting mix. It's a, it's people, like, you've got some... There were some solo riders, some, some folks that were kind of contemplative that were just kind of writing or reading um, some women and probably in their 20s and 30s, just taking a little sojourn out of Victoria. Um, you've got some people that are returning from their time in Victoria back sure. home to sure. Washington State. So it was kind of an interesting a bit of people watching. But we get there, it's it's rainy, it's a bit cold. But you know what I always love when I go back home? And I don't know if they do this in, in Canada because I'm a permanent resident. I'm not a, a citizen of, of uh, this fine nation. But when you hand them that passport, they look at it, they ask those stupid fucking questions, and then they let you go. They say, welcome home. Just hits you like a slap on the ass when you get through the gates, eh? Get in there, big boy. <laughs> like, you're back, baby. You're back. You're free now. <laughs> so I was feeling it. We uh, took a walk. We uh, stayed in a hotel. Um, what did we do? We, we uh, got hold back on, to... Hold on, hold on. Before you get there, let's go back to the Clipper for a second because I, love, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love the Clipper. Okay. Um, did we eat on the Clipper? Did we have an adult beverage since we were sans children? Did you Ooh. just... Did you read a book? Did you mm-hmm. listen to um, one of your favorite podcasts when you were there? Sports Gloss episode four? I don't know. what. How did you... <laughs> did you just converse with your lovely and beautiful wife? Uh, great questions um we didn't talk much between the two of us honestly i read i'm I'm reading this book called uh stay true which Mm -hmm. is a memoir actually resonates with your partner because it's about a a guy growing up in the um, silicon valley who went to berkeley we can talk more about it later it's a great book a few pages in there so i read a bit i listened to uh, some of my favorite Ringer podcasts, like uh, Higher Learning, I listened to that. It's about a three-hour trip, so I kind of was all over the place. I listened to Bill Simmons' pod, Podfather, so I was listening to different things. I did not have any food. I did not have any drinks, but Egad. something I learned that I didn't know was this. There's a three-drink maximum on the Clipper, which for three hours, you can get pretty sauced, like... I mean, depending on what you're rolling with, because you can also, you know, you can get a little buzz on, then you can purchase that duty-free. Yeah, that's right. And then immediately... Get get your bottle. (laughs) Whatever you want. With some Jameson, we got that. And just turn up when you get off the boat. It's it's always cool just seeing, like, the young, like, the 20, 30-somethings that are just remember. I remember it well. Yeah, as soon as they get through those, uh, you know, get through those gates, and maybe they got somebody waiting from the other side. Maybe they're gonna meet somebody. Sure. So. Uh, sure. So yeah, so it was cool. Um, another thing, it was I hadn't run, run uh, rode the Clipper, and I don't know, several years, and they do assign seating now, which was kind of convenient because there's not a mad scramble for the good seats. Right. That's and, interesting. I haven't had that experience. Yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't sold out, so people were moving around. They sit where they're supposed to for a bit, and like. The Clipper is also nice because you've got people, there's waiters, it's civilized. It's not like BC ferries where you feel like you're in a fucking cattle pen. Yeah, you're you can like just it. kick back, relax. You can recline if you want. You're taking in the sights. It's about a three hour, if people who don't know, the Clipper Ferry goes from downtown Victoria to downtown Seattle. It's about a three hour sojourn, right? It yeah. takes about three hours. If, yep. if it's not choppy, and I, lo- I love it. 
Tall Boy IPA in International Waters, JC. Hook it to my veins on when I'm on the way to Seattle <laughs> at any age. My early 20s, my early 30s, or whatever age I am entering into. I love it. I love getting into Seattle. Yeah, man. You get off the boat, you step into it, like you said. The, the guards are happy to see you, less to see me, and away you go. You enter the fray. It's great. We get in. Uh, take a long walk, get back to the hotel, sit up there, have a nice dinner, um, kind of just chill out for the night. And then we're there Saturday, and then we're leaving on Sunday. So Saturday was the the full day. And um, we're walking around, we're just doing a little bit of shopping. We wake up, we're, when we wake up, and then we're like, hey, let's let's scout this out. We, we took this uh, newfangled invention called ride sharing, an Uber. We took an Uber, which does not exist in Victoria for those Uber? who do not live here. Yeah, apparently they've been around for a long time, but if hmm. you're in Victoria, you wouldn't know because we don't have them. No comprendo. <laughs> See. Right. So anyway, jokes aside, we, we hopped up to the um, the village um, space in here. Oh my gosh. University of Washington. We go to the shopping district up there, walking around. Everything's great. We pass a, a regatta. There's people rowing. Right, right. Beautiful things. We go past the football field. I'm snapping photos. Love that like shot you sent tourist. me. Love that shot you sent me. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're having fun. We're walking around. They also have an Apple store there. Doesn't mm. exist in Victoria either. No. We don't have an Apple store. We don't have an Ikea or an Apple store. You can see where I'm going with all this. I think I'm getting it. Yes, go yeah. on. So we're walking around just shopping you know, peak capitalism, Perfect. having our fun. I go to Shake Shack. I have an amazing burger. Lovely. Life is good. Exchange rate is good too. <laughs> <laughs> Exchange rate is brutal, actually. Let's be honest. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so we're, we're having a great time. Nice. We go back to uh, downtown where we're staying. And you know, I'm just taking in the sights and I, and I noticed something. I noticed something, JK. What do you notice? You know, when I moved here, Yeah. There are three things people told me you're not going to see a lot of. Three things that are rarities. Okay. Thunderstorms. Right. Sasquatch. (laughs) Right. Bigfoot. Yeah. Black people. (laughs) Uh, Sadly, that's accurate. You could laugh. Yeah. (laughs) There's not a lot of black people in Victoria. It's mighty whitey. And it's nice being in Seattle. And I mean, jokes aside, it is cool just like seeing more diversity and like being you know, in a com- more comfortable situation. And there's things just like unwritten, you know, unofficial codes. Like you see another black person, you get a head nod, you say hello. It's just like this acknowledgement. It's like, yeah. we're out here, we're outside. So it was just cool. Like Julia gets it too. She's been with me long enough. I know sometimes when I'm with my kids, they're just like, do you know him? And I'm like, no. Like you just give him a head nod. It's what you do. You see a brother in the wild, <laughs> give him a head nod. <laughs> So, you know, I'm just head nodding, making eye contact. People in Victoria shy away from eye contact. It's one of my grievances that it I'm is. always talking to you about. You know, yeah. if you do lock eyes with someone, they look away as if you're Medusa. Whereas I was in Seattle, people are like making eye contact and like it's sunny, it was warm and people are just vibing out, saying hello. There's probably a lot of tourists in the areas where I were, where I was kind of traversing as well. Yes. So I think that can't be, you know, can't be, I'd be remiss not to say that. So people were feeling it, but people were just chatty, just a different vibe. And I was really feeling it, you know, and then just the scale of being in a large city, yeah, 
I, you know, are you I, fond of Seattle generally? Like when you think about going there, you're excited to be there. Like some people, for some reason, there's a section of the population that kind of shit on Seattle. Yeah. I'm not part of that. I always enjoy my time in Seattle. Some people don't love it, but I, I'm, I quite like it. I love it. It's a big city. It's a lot going on. Kind of reminiscent of Vancouver, but it's different for sure. It is. And different feel, different, different feel, feel, different sensibility to it. Um, like I said, it, you know, a little bit more diverse, there's you can do anything there i mean you can go there's a great music there's really great can, museums yeah. there's there's so many different things i always love going there great food so yeah i think people poo poo it but i'm i'm totally into it now sort of the 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 main event of your trip to seattle was you were going to a concert on saturday night a show on saturday night at the moore theater correct that's right. More I'm theater. very fond of the Moore Theater and Hotel. Great place to watch an event and stay. Uh, that Saturday night, sort of build me up and take me into the show on Saturday night, please. Yeah, man. So after we had done our, our shopping, we kind of come back to the crib to kind of refresh and just chill. Mm -hmm. right, we'll talk about some college. Wash ass. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get ready. I'm going out, you know. Can't Absolutely. Be, can't be funky. So, <laughs> kid free in the big city. Let's go, Let's vamos! Go. Julia drew a bath. I just, I cracked some drinks. I was mm. watching the uh, Kansas State game, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Yes, sexting with you. We we're just kind of sharing stories via text, and um, we were walking around during the day and kind of scouting out some locations that might be apt for for dinner before the show. The doors for the show were at like seven. First act was going to go on at eight, so kind of an earlier situation, which was great because we had to be on the boat. 8 a.m. Sunday. That return boat, Clipper Ferries, leaving Seattle 8 a.m. It's brutal. It <sighs> Quick is. turnaround. I don't like that. It's, it is. It, yeah. And it's one of those things where it favors the the Americans. Because, like, you know, they, you go up, you can arrive, I think, on, like, the Friday. You can arrive midday, early day, and go do what you want to do here. And then come when you can return, yeah. it's, like, midday or later day. But we've got to get on that 8 a.m. and be back oh. early. So it's brutal. Oh. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But um, we were walking around. We scouted out this little, quaint little Italian place, Asagio Ristorante. Mm. Ciao. Mm. And we're like, okay, it's got good reviews. It looks like a legit kind of traditional Italian-American spot, like white tablecloths and everything. We're like, let's just take a, take a go at it. We'll go in. No reservation. We walk in initially, and the uh, the, the person that greets us is just like, do you have a reservation? And we're like, no. And I'm kind this of This is like, a big place, a small place? It's a pretty big place. Okay. Yeah, and it's downtown, I think, on maybe like second or first or something like that. It's buzzing on a Friday night. Yeah, it's definitely hopping. So we're in there, and a bit of an older crowd as well, and she steps away for a second. She's like, comes back, I got a table for you. Come over, get a spot, sit down, and guess who I saw? Who'd you see? <laughs> Rick Pitino. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Nice. I did not see Rick Pitino, nice. but if you listen to the last episode, that's a callback. That's a callback. So we sit. Was down. Rick feeling frisky at <laughs> Asagio Restaurante? <laughs> he just got that pay from St. John's. I'm sure he's he's feeling frisky. I these think days. You know, whenever Rick walks into an Italian American eatery, he starts feeling a little <laughs> a little warm in the loins. <laughs> Brings back some fun. I memories. think it does. <laughs> oh gosh! All right. So we sit down. And uh, we have some nice uh, folks to our left. 
and I'm kind of picking up just, you know, just a little conversation while we're looking at the menus and trying to pick out a drink and everything. And I'm getting little like glimpses into their mm-hmm. life. And mm-hmm. I hear someone saying, blah, 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 Miami Heat athletic trainer, blah, blah, blah. Ooh. Other things I talk to, blah, 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 like dropping some NBA relevant names. So I'm, I'm feeling like by association, these people at the next table have some sort of foot in the, the athletic training world at, at a high caliber okay so kind of like okay so like i'm gonna keep my ears peeled and my eavesdrop a little bit tonight sorry julie fun. did you say something i was <laughs> listening to hear spolster likes his ankles tape when he's coaching on the sidelines <laughs> go on jc sorry so that's going on and also i'm in a, a great vantage point to see uh gonzaga get their ass stomped which we'll get to a little bit later i can see the yukon gonzaga game on the background so Love that. it's all coming up jamal here um, we got a good classic old school Italian American waiter comes by. He, you know, recommends some things. I, what did I order? I ordered a wild boar ragu. Ooh, Papardelle. Ooh, I just got hungry. It's so good. Good choice, sir. So good. Julia rocks the carbonara, which I know you also like. Sure. So does Rick. <laughs> so we get a few drinks um, while we're mm. waiting, and our neighbors. I should back up before I order our neighbors, their food is coming to them. The the trainers, the trainers. Okay. And there's one guy, a bigger guy. He's got a gray hoodie on, uh, laid back, uh, probably in his fifties. He's got like a, something like a Wyoming and something else on his, his hoodie. The Cowboys. Yeah. Go. Yeah. So that's happening. And I'm just like kind of ogling their food. And like, I was like, Oh man, that looks good. He's like, it's like, oh yeah, this is great. We've been here plenty of times. And he's like, have a taste. I was like, what? What? He's what? He's four feet away from you or something? Two feet away? Yeah, two feet away. And he tight. sees you eyeballing his his wild boar ragu, and he says, here, lean over with a spoon, young fella. I got a bite for you. He actually had a gnocchi, and he was just like, literally, the waiter is bringing it to him before he takes a bite. And this is the kind of hospitality I got. Wow. Before he takes a bite, he said. Here you go. Here you go. Have a bite. My mom wouldn't want it any other way. Wow. And I, I'm like, serious? He's like, yep. And everybody at the table is looking at me. Incredible. I grab my fork, grab a piece of gnocchi, yes. eat it. It's piping hot. Perfect. And I'm just like, this is, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, my pleasure. No problem. Jeez. And, puts his, and then they just consume, I mean, uh, just go ahead with their business consuming their food. Wow. So, even though I had the great gnocchi, I was just like, man, when am I going to have this wild boar? So I went for it. We're waiting. Polished off a drink. Waiter comes. I can't believe that he gave you the first bite off his plate. Like the maiden voyage bite. I know. The, the best bite. It's, it's, that's a bold move for a stranger. <laughs> I'm not doing that to people I really like and care about. <laughs> I might bite my wife if she tries to take the first bite. Yeah, when they lean over and try to grab them. <laughs> your partner leans over and you got to swat them. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So that happened. So I'm like, okay, we're in good good stead here. We have good company. Wow. So uh, we finished off our first drink. We have some cocktails. Mm. And the waiter comes back with a great line, classic, like, upsell line. He comes back. He's like, would you like another cocktail or wine? <laughs> That's all we have. That's all we have. Not like, would you like another? Oh, you don't want anything? We're not taking that? No, yeah. like, you're going to have another alcoholic beverage. Which one? Yeah, yeah. So that was a fun yeah. line. So it was just like a fun night. That's we got a great, lot going on. Get the food. The food comes piping hot. It's so stinking good. It's mm. great. I just got hungry. 
<laughs> yeah, I know, man. So everything is going well. So I feel like I got to return the favor to our neighbor here. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. So when they, um, I should say when, when they ask about the, the glass of wine, I say, yeah, give me a glass of, uh, two glasses of whatever my guys drink in here. Yeah. Some red. And, uh, he comes back and he's like going to give it to Julia. I was like, oh no, no. It's <laughs> like, for him. It's for him. Good for you. So I give it and, you know, pay it forward, pay it back. And my guy making me, just making me blush over here, he says, Thank you so much, young man. Thank you so much. You're a good guy. Wow. You didn't have to do that. Wow. I was like, I'm just paying, paying favor. We're getting handshakes and like backpats, like vibes. Like, just like, I made a new friend. <laughs> I made a friend at dinner. You guys exchange numbers, snapping selfies or what? <laughs> Going to the Miami Heat game yeah, this no, week. <laughs> no, no doubt. No doubt. No, but we had, a, we had a good time. And it actually turned out it was someone at the table's birthday. So there's a rousing round of like happy birthday at one point. We're clapping. Like it's it's festive. It's, it's a great night. It's a it great way amazing. to start yeah, the night. Cool. So we, we finish up. Set me back a few ducats with that exchange rate. I bet it did. But uh, it was worth it. it was... That Celsius got you. <laughs> <laughs> yes sir so we uh we're just a hop skip and a jump from the moor we walk there we get there mm, beautiful ornate theater it's been there since 1907 my first time there we have balcony seats we're just kind of scanning and taking like, a few videos and stuff and one thing is readily apparent as i'm just kind of looking around like there's a lot of motherfuckers in here wearing toques mm. did it snow outside <laughs> it's, it's not it's like 53 fahrenheit and sunny so it's it's not it's the nicest day of the year thus far a lot so, of toques a lot of toques so if you're uh not of the canadian persuasion a toque is a beanie or a scully just a little knit hat you put on keep your head warm you got a bad hair day things like that if you're like me and you're closely shaven newly shaven and aerodynamic you got to keep your head warm sometimes but we're indoors in this beautiful ornate theater how many people sitting in this beautiful ornate theater what's the capacity at the moor what's your best guess 600 600 so it's it's warming quickly after everyone's shuffled in there it's not chilly i would assume it's not like little owl studios down here it's colder than a motherfucker down here. <laughs> right so everybody's in a good comfort situation but i think it's just a pacific northwest thing yeah right and i'm just you know always loving to take it in especially when i'm when i'm abroad when I'm away from home, yes. and I'm looking, and not only is everybody wearing toques, but we got different kinds of toques, JK. Okay. We got your going out toque that looks like <laughs> it's crisp, it's new, it's sitting on your head like a like a condom straight out of the package. Yes. Just perched up there. It's yes. ornamental. It's not yes. really functional. Yes. You've got the- Riding high on the <laughs> top of the crown. <laughs> exactly. Yep. You got those. You got the up, didn't- having shampooed in a few days too because it's kind of a little bit ratty you've got this is my grandfather's toque hmm. like this is beat up and old it has some sentimental value you've got that toque going on yes you've got all kinds of toques an array of toques i'm gonna say toques as many times as i can in this podcast because there are so many fucking toques you sent me sort of a wraparound little video from the inside of the moore theater and i did notice like on first spec, you could, there's a toque directly in front of you. And as you sort of span the room, uh, tw 10, 12 people within yeah. eye shot that had, I could see the back of their toqued melons were looking back <laughs> at me. You could see these toques. There was a lot of toques. It was like a, I felt like it was almost like in a like club or something. Like it was an unofficial, like kind of code or something. Like it's just kind of toque and so toques in the wild. We meet here tonight. Like, I don't know what was going on. Or maybe it's just how people rock it in Seattle. Who was the musical act you went to see? 
UMO, Unknown Mortal Orchestra. They're from Portland, and they've got a interesting sound, like psychedelic kind of uh, indie rock sound. Cool. Ruben Nielsen, their uh, lead singer, great guitarist. One of your favorite songs, Layla. They played Love it. that track. Yeah. They have a new album. It's been out for about two weeks now. It was really good. It was a great show. It was interesting. The show was the kind of tempo was kind of mellow. All the the venue was all seated. There are a lot of people drinking, doing other things, kind of smelling little things that mm-hmm. people aren't supposed to do inside. But I'm here for it. I support it. Heck yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. We support it on the sports club. <laughs> and I'm noticing people were kind of just sitting in their chairs, maybe like pumping fists, tapping feet, just kind of vibing. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of a mid-tempo vibes here yeah and then kind of later on they start to pick up the tempo and then people start to feel a little loose maybe those drugs kick in maybe those beers kick in we're building we're building you start to notice notice kind of like if you're at like a basketball game or something if someone in front of you uh, sits up or stands up you got to stand up. So sure. you're getting pockets of the crowd where like you love got it. a few guys pumping fists. Yeah, I love this song. I like your pumping fist voice. <laughs> it has to, it has to uh, be yeah. there to articulate this. But um, so things are going on and I'm noticing like little pockets. And it was an interesting vibe because it was kind of this like crunchy granola crowd meets like I work at Amazon tech bro mm-hmm. kind of crowd. So it was this interesting kind of like am I allowed to dance? Like it was that kind of a vibe. And then people were like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to dance. I'm going to get on my seat. I'm feeling this. I love this song. So it was like an interesting kind of shift of energy and it was pretty fun. So it was a lot of, a lot of, uh, tuked white folks dancing outside of their chairs. Get those toques are now in the air. They're swinging them around like their the head. That's right. When Layla comes on by UMO, if you haven't heard that song, check it out. That'll make you take your toque off. <laughs> so yeah, it was a good night. Went down, bought about a shirt that was too expensive, but a band shirt. You know, I love it. I'll, good for you. I'll, I'll show you at some point later. Good for you. And uh, we walk home, and yeah, it was. Wait, great. did you stand up and dance? No, you didn't. I didn't. Did you stand up? No. <laughs> Haters gonna hate. Haters gonna hate, 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 hate. <laughs> I hate you. I hate everything about you. <laughs> I hope you have the worst things happen to you and only you. No. But I, I was just Did you in tell my the chair. people in front of you to sit down? Excuse me. <laughs> no, I was letting them no, vibe out. Of course. I was having a good time too. I'll just sure. aside, yeah. Well, nice man. But yeah, so next day we gotta roll out and you know what? I didn't go hard, but Whew, that 6.15 a.m. Uh, wake-up call, that hits like a... Mm. What time you got to be in line for to get through customs to get back on that 8 a.m. boat? It's supposed to be there at 7. You can push it and maybe do like 7.15. You don't want to do any later than like that because then they start boarding. Early. It's too early. It's brutal. And it was way too early for some of those bros that we saw on Friday night. They oh, were man. Definitely some party boys that were face down oh. on their tables. Oh, I was worried that there was, there was a lot of people running to the bathroom. I've been there. I've been there. I don't want to started, admit it, but I've been there. When that boat started moving, there were a lot of guys making trips to the bathroom. It's waves, man. The waves will get you the motion sickness, if you know what I'm saying. Can I get a couple packets of Dramamine? <laughs> Y'all got that gravel? Yeah, give me the gravel. <laughs> so it was interesting. And, and one thing I'll say I noticed as well on the way back is it's a different vibe going back to Victoria, kind of like ride of shame, if you will, for yeah. some of those guys. Sure. But then also you got like kind of 
it looks like high school girls on like a spring break that have, you know kind of come back and they're kind of just chatting about their their exploration and the weekend and then Fun. you've got like some some elderly ladies who are just like really slurping up all the inundated ads that are saying come to bouchard gardens come to bouchard gardens sure so i'm listening to these they've ladies. got the pamphlets they're flipping through <laughs> oh look miniature world <laughs> yeah so if you don't know, Bouchard Gardens is like a botanical gardens here that is highly advertised, let's say. I've been there a few times. It is what it is. It's British vibes. You can go and have tea. There's nice little like carousel skating set up during the, the holiday season. Yeah. Tour bus is just rolling out there right off the oh, yeah. the cruise ship docking station at Ogden Point. They put speaking of cattle, they put them on the bus and they send them right out to Central Sandwich <laughs> to hit to hit Bouchard Gardens. And that's a good point. It's quite far from the downtown core of Victoria. So it's interesting that these people are going from downtown Seattle to downtown Victoria and kind of skipping some things. I heard a few ladies saying, oh, I'm going to get tea at the Empress uh, Hotel in the, in the downtown harbor here. And then I'm going to go out to Bouchard Gardens and I'm going to do this stuff. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, and this is like a bigger question I want to get into with you is, what are we doing? What are we, how are we promoting ourselves? Because I feel like we're shortchanging Victoria. I mm. feel like we need to be more ambitious and we need a better marketing plan. We're going to Seattle to fucking turn up for a weekend. Sans kids. People were coming to Victoria to take naps and go have tea and see gardens and stuff. Yes. And I understand like yes, it's a certain demographic. The other demographic I got was these crunchy women that were like, we're going to go to Tofino, which is about what? Five hours away. Yes. So they're making a pilgrimage to this place what looks like, I don't know. I know your feelings on Tofino. You know don't go there. Tofino. Don't go there. It's so overrated. Tough city. Tough city Tough for city because there's yeah. no sunlight ever. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. Seasonal depression, 11 months a year. Exactly. If you like surfing or reenacting the Coldplay Yellow video where you're walking down the beach <laughs> and getting blown by gale force winds, go to Tofino. Have fun. I'm about to stop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a weird vibe to me because I feel like there's Victoria. Oh, it'll Jack. be nice in August. Tofino. <laughs> It'll be nice in August. Oh, we call it Foggus because it's so foggy. <laughs> oh, great. Glad I drove six hours. Coldest uh, winter I've ever known is a summer in Tofino. I, I've, you know, paraphrased that that line is from uh, Samuel Longhorn Clemens, if you know, talking about San Francisco, but it might as well be t uh, Tofino. Yeah. So anyway, so you've got people rolling up there and rolling these places, and I feel like they're bypassing all the fun. I feel like what Victoria has to offer is some fine dining. They've got like great beer. We've got like nice green spaces within the city. There's a yes. lot to see. There's, I feel like there are pockets of culture and like shopping and different things that you sure can do is. in the downtown core. But I feel really that we're missing an opportunity and how we're marketing our fair city. Mm -hmm. And it really pisses me off. And I feel like it also has this kind of distinction of kind of like a little Britain. Like you get off and as soon as you walk off the clipper right across the street, there's like a British flag at this inn or whatever that's yeah. there. And people are talking about tea and all this stuff and have this reverence for like a monarchy. And it's kind of like little brother kind of go to Canada, get a taste of England kind of a vibe, which that, no offense. And, and I should say this. I'm going to rip on Victoria a little bit here, but it's not enough. Like I'm not attacking anyone in particular. I just want better and I want us to do a bit better and to to just raise the level yeah 
is the is the sort of I I do agree with you on the sort of British nostalgia that's sort of been a part of the Victorian culture here for a long time. I don't love it either. Now, is that just sort of is that more directed at sort of the tourism, the tourists, right? Like I don't ever feel like we're in Little Britain, but am I? Is it am, are my eyeballs and ear holes just so used to seeing it around me that I don't even notice, and it's just just part of my day to day? People are seeking this out for tea and crumpets and eggs, Benny. Yeah, and there is that segment of the population too that's around. Where like they, you know, like the joke is like that sort of Oak Bay accent, right? And these, admittedly, yeah. and I'm stereotyping here, that the older set in Oak Bay and they sort of throw on this British accent. My grandma did it for a while. I, you know, I was like, what is this? Life behind the tweed curtain, baby. Life, that, and that's it, right? And that that's part of it. I don't understand it. I don't get it either, and I do feel like that is kind of a calling card. We have the double-decker buses for the tourists and all this other stuff, and we do cater. I mean, government house. There's there's yeah. all this stuff yeah. that is kind of this yearning for the past, and I feel like the yeah. monarchy's dead. And you know how I feel. I hate a monarchy. I'm not mm-hmm. a loyalist. Never will be. Nah. Even if I become a citizen, I'm still going to, through my teeth, you know, pledge allegiance. But mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where... I don't get it. I don't see why we're selling ourselves short. We could be so much more dynamic. I think there's things going. This city is, is burgeoning. There's a lot of people moving here from all over the planet, all over the the region. Sure, desirable place to be. I've heard some people say it's their favorite part of Canada. Sure. This is the most desirable place based on the climate and a lot of other things. Yep. And yeah, it just feels, ah, I feel like there's a dissonance there. And whenever I see it, it really gets me going, man. Yeah, I feel like it's a bit aged out, the, the whole call to the Britain, little Britain. You're right. It is it is off-putting. I, I'm, I sort of would lend or lean into that. It's sort of historically with the tourists, as I just said. But your point's a good one. It is kind of omnipresent as we work around the city. And the more I think about it, it is kind of everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the downtown is is. Ex- is growing is exploding it had a dip it's building back up there's nice restaurants there's people there's places to eat and drink and laugh and have a good time stand up and dance if you feel like it (laughs) like you can do that you know and it should be maybe it should be marketed while we talk about tourism marketed more to to the young people coming from on the clipper coming from seattle portland the pacific northwest this opens up another question for me if you want to go there too they're marketing to a, a very specific clientele, and Are that ever. clientele is usually pretty affluent mm-hmm. and of a certain age. And with that, I think comes this question for me: is like, is Victoria too expensive and too overpriced? I've called it a city of overpriced mediocrity, oh. and I'm on record <laughs> right now for saying that. We pay, That's strong. That's strong. I we, like it. We pay a lot to live in a place where there's there could be more. I'm feeling that today. Oh, I'm feeling that today. <laughs> I know you are. I'm feeling that. Are. Today of all days, I'm feeling that. Cough, cough. <laughs> but it's a desirable place, but it's an island, and there's a finite you know, source of land. We're building quite rapidly. People are migrating here from Vancouver when they're having burgeoning families. They yes. need to expand. People are moving as we have this remote work boom. The government, uh, which supplies a lot of jobs here, being the capital of BC, is providing... 
a lot of opportunities for people to work remotely and explore the region. A lot of people want to get away from winter. People want to retire. It's I get it. I get why people want to move here. Gardening, cycling, being outdoors, being active. Yes. But all that comes with a, a price and comes at a premium. And I have to go to Seattle to go see a, a concert of a band I want to see. Because they're not coming here. Because they're not coming here. And when we have our music festivals that do come and I look at the, the list, it's kind of like the MLS of, uh, Easy of compared to like the Premier League, I'm getting re- fucking yeah. lake down, shake, shake down, down, whatever. Yeah. Like I don't want to see Shaggy. I don't Mr. Bombastic, see... Shaggy's coming to um, the Couch and Valley in the Yeah, summer, so I don't want to see washed up acts. People were so gassed up last year to see Shaq DJ. Like I'm just yeah. like, what are we doing here? Like we do get some renowned Canadian acts that are great, sure. but I also feel like, hey, it's a smattering. Yeah. People would go to Seattle, go to Vancouver, but they skip over the island. What can we do to pull people here? Do people here even care? Am I like the only person that cares? People kind of settle. I've heard people, I've seen things on Reddit where people are saying, well, this is a great get for the island. No, we're paying a premium to live here. We are. I don't feel like I need to hop on a ferry and pay $200 ground trip to go to Vancouver, then pay for a hotel, mm-hmm. stay with a buddy. I'm aging. I don't want to sleep on a couch anymore. You're taking a ferry a in a different direction now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do that or go to Seattle. It's a big hurt on my wallet. And yeah. I feel like we're doing all these things. We could be a hub of culture for the island, but we're not doing it. And I feel like people don't really care. The transportation on the island isn't great. You have to... We want to talk trains. We want to talk trains. We want to talk trains. Yes. But I also want to talk about, I know that you are planning your 40th and you're going to Portland. Are you going direct to Portland? Yeah. You are. No, apologies. Vank, no, I'm not going direct. I'm I'm flying to Portland, but I'm stopping someplace both there and back. And that's a key point. Because yes. you could probably drive to Portland once you get over to Washington State. What's the drive? Four or five hours? I think you can take the other ferry south, the black ball, and it's, yeah, it's four hours from there. Versus you have to now go do the whole thing with boarding on a plane, yep. fly 25 minutes or whatever it is yes, to right. Vancouver, yep. wait for the other plane. Hopefully your flight doesn't, doesn't get delayed get or you up. have yep. to go to fucking like Kelowna or yep. something. Probably of, will. <laughs> and then you can go down to Portland. Why don't we have direct flights places? These are the things that burn me up. Yeah. Yeah. See, and it's good because as a person, you've been in Victoria for how long now, Jamal? Almost nine years. See, I actually, I actually kind of appreciate that perspective because as a person who's as a person who's been on the island sort of now most of their adult life, looking back on it, and as an islander, as stated, grew up a few hours north. Yeah, those are those are really good points. I will I will say it's obviously too expensive, housing, um, the associated costs, and we feel that on the island I think more than most places because of the aforementioned ferries and the cost of getting goods here. I'll, I will say it's too expensive. Yeah, the mediocrity is is a real issue. Your points about getting in and out, I will completely uh, agree and validate. And the, the culture, I'd love to see a little bit more culture here. All these people moving here, the people that are moving here are affluent enough to do that. You'd hope that would sort of push the culture forward a little bit in Victoria. And maybe we could dump some of the aged nostalgia for little yeah. little britain and that malarkey if i can be so bold yeah i'm with you i'm here for it i want to jump off of that mm. and do our q a with j and j q a with j and j brought to you by the hungover bros from nanaimo <laughs> on that 8 a.m clipper coming back 
God, hurts so good. <laughs> little hair of the dog. Little hair of the dog. Little uh, little Caesar, or they how they call it down south, the Bloody Mary. Mm. Where's my clamato juice? Mm. Arrive back in Victoria at ten thirty, and you're barely sober. <laughs> Clipper fairies. <laughs> That's great. So Q&A with J&J, we're talking about all these different things, travel, and travel often gives you a different perspective on what you have and coming home and things of that nature. And I was just pondering this uh, the other day. My question is, where would you live for a year and why? And I'm talking about like just supplanting your life, taking it, not, yeah. you're not having to like find a job, you're right. not having to like find housing or whatever. You're just like, hey, JK, we got it all set up for you. Anywhere you want to go for a year, boom, you do that. You come back to life as usual, but here's a chance just to explore for a year. Where do you go? Uh, with kids or without? <laughs> Kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. Um, you know, loosely speaking, I'd like to go. I spent a little time back in Perth, Australia, Western Australia, a lifetime ago. Looking back on that, I love my time in Perth. I'd like to do a little job swap for a year in Perth. I think that would be awesome. I'd love my time in Western Australia. Beautiful countryside along the water, real Australia. Met some wonderful people, had a great time. Totally enjoyed my month in, in Perth and Western Australia. I go back there. I, I've never been to South America. This is sort of a broad question. I've never been to South America. I'd like to spend a chapter of my time on this planet somewhere down south, close to the water, cold beer in hand. Mm. I think that would work for me. Rio? Rio? Sure. Sure. I'd check out Rio. Yeah, absolutely. Somewhere down there. Other than that, JC, I, I, how about you? How about you? First of all, I just want to say one of my favorite bands in the world, Tame Impala's from Perth. Love Perth. That good vibes in there nice. basketball too i love the nbl we need to talk a little aussie basketball <laughs> i love the nbl i'm big into the nbl no i love it i feel like sydney I'll... kings are the champions of the nbl this year owned part ownership is andrew bogut played oh. at played at utah played in the nba for a long time first pick overall wasn't first he? pick overall sort yeah. of ended up with golden state had that sort of run with golden state at the end sydney kings were champion uh basketball in australia is growing like crazy those teams down there now are they're fitting like twenty thousand in the nbl which wow. is the top league in australia and they're pulling um uh last year north carolina brady uh north carolina manic brady manic was playing with the perth wildcats this year a lot of money going into basketball australia it's really on the uptick i'm into the nbl i'm not sure why i'm into the nbl so much but i love the nbl i love the players they uh they josh giddy so many guys that come through and just, I mean, even the best tennis player in Australia, Nick Kyrgios, would rather be a basketball player. So, sure. And think yeah. about the, the youngest ball on Charlotte. Uh, oh, yeah. Like he did a year. With, that's right. He did a year in Australia in lieu of college. That's where he played a year, right? They paid him a, a great sum of money to yep. be there for a year. That league's growing. I can remember being in Australia and the, the Townsville Crocodiles were like the biggest team when I was in Townsville. This is a <laughs> lifetime ago. Basketball in Australia is on the serious uptick. And again, they're selling out like 20,000 stadium arenas for nice. basketball games, the top league in Australia, the NBL, because MB, the, because basketball's on the rise down there. It's kind of on par with Canada, not to go too far astray, but you think about Australia, like in the past, there's other sports that kind of hop into your mind. Like you think about like rugby or you think about, I don't know, like cricket or even like uh, soccer, football, like different things. But now bas basketball's on the rise. Same thing with Canada, I think, like, you know, has that 
a rich hockey heritage, but yep. look at the Canadian national team, and we'll talk maybe later about some of the uh, high school prospects from Canada. So yep. it's cool to see both of those countries in the ascendancy. Agreed. What about you? Where would you like to live for a year? Man, there's so many places I'd love to go. Like, there's It's interesting. Like, there's places I've been that I really love and have flirted with uh, moving to, like, San Diego. I could see a nice year like you said kind of near the beach in san diego not a care in the world best best weather year round things san diego america's playground yeah that's true yeah man um could hops could jump the tijuana if i need to occasionally hello <laughs> not far from la but um far enough from the hustle and bustle so that's that's something have you sorry to interrupt have you ever been to a san diego padres game no, but that stadium is right downtown. It's cool. It's a great-looking venue. I've, I've seen it. I've been to San Diego three, four times, but I haven't been to a Padres game. And they're they're going to be good, too, so they're on the way up. But so, go ahead. Quick aside, took a ballpark tour in San Diego about seven years ago. Did the tour, went to a game that night. What a stadium. What a time. Vibes. Be- vibes. Beautiful. The tour was cool. They gave you sort of an inside look at things and then went to a game that night. It was great, man. It was great. Go on. Got to do it. Put it on the list. Mm -hmm. Other places I would go, you know, I've been in New York a bunch of times. I love it, but I couldn't say I would want to do it for a year. At this point in my life, I got so many buddies there. I think I'll get back there at some point. I love LA. I'm really curious. At some point, I got to get to Montreal. I don't know Mm. if I'd want to do a year there. Good one. I just want to, on this, this list or like the places I'm thinking, I want to go somewhere where I don't have to suffer winter, if you know what I mean. So that kind of knocks out, like, you know, like Scandinavia and some of those reaches and those places, but... Not Oslo. (laughs) Not Oslo? Not Oslo? No, not Oslo. Maybe further south. Maybe I could spend some time in Copenhagen. I could do maybe Copenhagen. Sure. I lived in Prague for a bit. I got a buddy, shout out to to Trace, that's in uh, Germany right now in Berlin, and he's loving it. I think I would have to go... You know, Tokyo is interesting too, but I think I'd have to go Europe. I think I'd have to go Europe for several reasons. And I think I've spent lots of time in Rome. I love, love, love Roma, Forza Roma. Love Italian food, love the vibes, love the shopping, love the We know you love Italian food (laughs) from your neighbor's plate. (laughs) Uh, Any way I can get it, man. Yeah, absolutely. I got to say Paris. Mm. Never been. Here's my Paris thing. My cool. kids are taking French right now, French immersion, just as yours are. Um, the culture in Paris, the diversity, it's a cosmopolitan city. There's so much going on. There's music, there's art, there's history, there's black people. <laughs> there's black people. Tennis. Yeah. Oh, God. French Open? Are you kidding me? That's on my bucket list. We'll have another pod Q&A where we talk about bucket list uh, sporting uh, events that we need to attend. But... Yes, tennis, there's so much there, so much. And the other thing I like is the proximity to other places in right. Europe. Right. Because you can just hop on a plane and you can go to Berlin, you can go to Switzerland, you can go to Roma, you can go to Lisbon, you can go to the UK, Amsterdam, you name it, we do it. Sounds like a nice way to live, a nice time. Yeah, yeah, that's my dream. Let's take a break. Keep dreams alive, let's take a break.
Final Four is going on this weekend, Jamal, for both the men's and women's tournament. Been interesting on both sides. The women play tomorrow night, Friday night, March 31st. So let's start with them, JC. We've got Don Staley and the South Carolina Gamecocks versus Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes, two sort of the two biggest names in NCAA women's basketball right now. Really the headlining event heading into tomorrow night. After that, we've got... Uh, the Buckeyes of Ohio <laughs> State versus the Hokies of Virginia Tech. Interesting. Um, Don Staley, a woman who played at UVA, a legend in the women's game, against uh, this Caitlin Clark. If you don't know Caitlin Clark, check her out. As mentioned in the last pod, her highlights are incredible. The way she shoots, the way she moves, a lot going on there, JC. Uh, do you have any connection to Don Staley first and foremost? And what are your thoughts on the women's matchup on Friday night? Yeah, I got a connection to her. I grew up watching her. She played at University of Virginia. She's from Philadelphia. She's kind of the first superstar that I really was aware of in the women's game. Cool. I know we had like the Cheryl Miller, later Lisa Leslie, Cheryl Swoops, yes. those folks. But Don Staley, I really admired her game. Like really heady point guard yeah, to get tough. a bucket if she needed it. Philly yeah. tough. Philly tough for sure. And she's translated that to an illustrious career at South mm-hmm. Carolina. They're basically a dynasty at this point they've they kind of usurped uconn and they're they're undefeated they're just on the cusp of running the table and let's see if they can do it can anyone stop them if someone can left it could be caitlin, caitlin clark. clark since yeah. we last recorded she just dropped a 40 point triple double put the team on her back and no brought them deal. here no big deal. Also a game that was last weekend, and that women's basketball game is the most viewed event on... Sorry, let me start that again. More people watch that game with Caitlin Clark in the last round of the NCAA tournament than any NBA game this year. That's crazy. Quite something. That's wild. Quite something. Man, that, that says a lot, and it and excites me. The games in the States have been on ESPN I think that's done a lot for it. That's awesome that they've, you know, provided that platform for them. And as well, the play has been excellent. Uh, Caitlin Clark is a superstar, bona fide. I don't know what if she's in her final year, if she's going to leave this year, if she'll be in the WNBA. But yes, I'm sure there are teams that are licking their lips and just want to have Caitlin Clark on their team because she is going to galvanize whatever franchise she goes to. And let's see if she can make this huge leap and take down Aaliyah Boston and the South Carolina dynasty that is just, you know, a few games away from solidifying another uh, undefeated season, which is crazy. South Carolina really moving past University of Tennessee, which was that predominant women's program forever, forever with Pat Summit as the sort of the lead on that program. And one of the faces of women's college basketball and Don Staley and South Carolina has sort of moved past that and sort of usurped them in, especially in the SEC. Yeah, for sure. It's been cool to see this because they were, I think there was one year they, they lost uh, maybe in a championship game and South Carolina was just there. And, you know, kind of like that New England Patriots fatigue. I think some people had a bit of UConn fatigue sure. and prior to that, like you said, there was some Tennessee yeah. fatigue and then Stanford was kind of an interloper there as well. Actually, while we're mentioning that, this is the first time that we had a women's Elite Eight without UConn, Stanford, or Tennessee since 1985. Wow. JK, what were you doing in 1985? Wow. <laughs> in 1985, I was two. And I think that was starting to sort of smell the air between my mom and dad that this relationship wasn't going to last too long. 
I realized mom and dad were probably, I was probably me to, I was getting, I was sort of sensing that uh, mon pa, this might not be a union that's going to make it. How oh, about man. you? What about you in 85? 1985, man? Shoot. I was uh, learning my ABCs, getting ready for kindergarten. I was about five years old. I'm born in April. So yeah, I was, what else was I doing, man? Just learning sports, having a good old time wearing sweaters. Oh, nice. I don't know. Nice. Just Let's get a shot. So Let's ago. get a shot of you in a sweater at in 1985 on the Instagram at, at the sports gloss. Um, so they play semifinals go Friday night. Yep. Uh, final goes Sunday afternoon as we head into the weekend, as we head into the first weekend of April, let's switch to the men's bracket. JC, they obviously play Saturday afternoon Pacific time. We got Miami versus Yukon. The second game's Florida Atlantic university versus San Diego state. Yep. Your initial thoughts looking at those matchups. Obviously a weird tournament. Really interesting in a way that it's not super chalky on the men's side. We've kind of got some upstarts here. But without those blue bloods, maybe not quite grabbing the casual fans' eyeballs. Your thoughts, please. Yeah, on the women's side, you have two seeds and one seeds that are left. And here, you have no one seeds. We haven't had any one seeds for a while here, which is kind of crazy. Is it ever? And we've got three newcomers, just as we do on the women's side. So it's the first time for Miami, uh, Florida Atlantic, and San Diego State. All schools by the beach, by the way. Beach boys represent. like that. First time for all of them to to be dancing into uh, the final weekend here. Very cool. Really cool. And then UConn is, you know... A bit of a blue blood. They've they've had some success in the past. We talked about last week. They had that Kimber Walker run in 2011 and, yep. and won it all. So building on that success down the road, we moved on from Jim Calhoun, and now we've got. Then uh, we were with Kevin Ollie for a while. Yeah, and that kind of got a little murky, mm. little messy. But did it ever? Danny Hurley's come into the fold. The kid Hawkins, uh, the wing for UConn, has been electric. Yep. They've got some big dudes inside that have really been dominant. I think they've got they, some depth. They play like seven, eight. Yeah, players deep, and they're all like studs. They're all legit. They got that seven-two kid Klingon as a freshman, I think. And I feel like I'm could be wrong, but I think they've won by all their all their games by like fifteen at least. Well, and they the, killed Gonzaga. I was just gonna say the way they smashed Gonzaga was. I mean, no one saw that coming. No, like, not that they wouldn't win, but how they won and the difference in the two teams yeah it's wild and you you got some before we get into the analysis you have some ties to an ex uh, husky (laughs) ties might be a bit strong i got a just a quick um uh, story a little story time here the year was 2000 my high school team is headed from vancouver island to the capital city of alberta and heading into edmonton uh which ended up being a place where i played college basketball but our high school team is going to this big tournament the jasper place reb invitational tournament in edmonton this is like our big trip for the year for my high school team nice. right nice we're quite hyped i'm a grade 11 underclassman as we head as we head down to the airport here in Victoria and we we're sort of settling into the airport someone says oh let's let's grab i should just back up a little bit at this tournament the reb invitational lots of schools there's teams from texas okay there's teams from oklahoma 
there's teams from southern, um, some of the southern United States, western United States, and lo and behold, the first team that we play, knowing the draw, is a team from Mount Vernon, New York. Uh-oh, money-earning Mount Vernon, upstate. <laughs> money-earning Mount Vernon? Yeah. Oof. Well, the, the, the money-earning Mount Verniners were matched up with the mighty GP Vanier Towies. Let's go. So we head into that. We get to the airport, and as I was just about to say, young, uh, his name was Hank McCool. He's like, oh, let's grab a magazine at the time. You know, those different types of college ma- college and basketball magazines. Not slam, but sort of of that other real. He goes into the into the bookshop, grabs this magazine, and he says, let's see if there's any if there's anything about any players from Mount Vernon who we play the, you know, 20 hours from that moment. Oh, there's this guy. He's an honorable mention all-American. Uh-oh. His name's Ben Gordon. Hey. He's on the team that we're playing soon. Oh, that's interesting. We all get a little little, little nauseous, like, oh, okay, okay. So we fly to Edmonton. We settle in. First day we're there, we go to the gym. The place is buzzing. As I said, teams from all over North America. It's super cool. A lot of Canadian teams as well. We get in there. What they have is every team picks a player to participate in the dunk contest and the three-point contest. Nice. What happens really quickly, really quickly, Ben Gordon wins the three-point contest. Yes. And he's just, it's just easy living him swishing these three, right? It's, (laughs) It's a piece of cake. Yeah. Then we move to the dunk contest. The gym is hype. The stands are packed. There's music. There's a light show. I mean, this the the guy on the on the speaker is doing a great job. The barn is buzzing. Right? It's pretty cool for a high school tournament, especially us coming from Little Old Black Creek. Ben Gordon continues to just throw down some serious dunks with some ferocity that my eyeballs have never seen before. The way that his body is moving on on land and in the air is breathtaking. And How it, tall is he, by the way? Six four. Okay. Cool. Yeah. But just yoked and, you know, the athleticism that he's showing in these two events is is nuts, right? So we're sitting there, my squad's sitting there, and we're just <laughs> pissing our pants, right? Because we play them the next day. And we're kind of really looking at the tournament organizers like, oh, way to sandbag us with this team from New York. Like, this is... Who do we got in the consolation bracket? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so we get in there. The next day, we warm up. We're ready to go. We put on our best face. We get we get into it. We get locked in. Went to the game. I'll never forget looking into the stands. Now, at the time, Ben Gordon was rumored to go, be going to Seton Hall. Seton Hall was thought to be in the lead for Ben Gordon coming into this. So this was sort of early, maybe the first window of recruiting. So these scouts had flown from the East Coast. I'll never forget looking into the stands and seeing a, a coach, assistant coach, recruiter in a Seton Hall blazer uh, Go U- Pirates. Yeah. Yukon was there in sort of that similar tennis shirt, kind of golf shirt kind of vibe. Pittsburgh was there. I remember remember seeing these three cats sitting there. And they really wanted to show Ben Gordon like here. We're here early. The first time we can see you, we flew all the way up to Edmonton to watch you. I'll never forget, JC, like this. I'll never forget looking over. I'm a pretty observant guy. Port guard, point guard vision, I like to call it. Yeah. I don't think many of my other teammates notice, but I see these three logos in the stands, right? I think to myself. Oh, lucky you guys are here to catch this show. <laughs> JK's about to burn this mother down. I got this flamethrower. I'm ready to rock. You're like, where do I want to go, Pitt? 
I might go to Pitt. See, see what the offer is. This is early in the NIL process, right? (laughs) This is the year 2000. So game starts. Also, I should preface this and and not to bring race into it, but it's kind of funny. I'm living this country school. We never had a black person try out for the team, right? Yeah. These guys from Mount Vernon are big cats. There's one white guy on the team. He does not see the floor the entire time. <laughs> and and we quickly realize that we do not belong in the gym with these guys. Like, it's something else. What's the over-under mm. at the game, would you say? You know what? I don't want to I don't want to skip ahead. Okay. But we gave them their closest <laughs> game of the tournament. Oh, yeah? We gave them the closest game of the tournament. Nice. Uh, my guy who's no, no longer with us and my pals out there um, will appreciate this story. My guy, Nate De Silva, who actually did have a flamethrower, he hit about five, six, seven threes. That game played really well. I can remember Damn. I can remember watching him at the top of the key, just stroking three. He was like starting PG. I was sort of backing up. He played really well. I, my story about Ben Gordon in this is I sort of come into the game. I'm a grade 11. I come into the game. And I remember thinking, as I just said, I'm looking at the scouts. And I'm like, here we go, boys. Hope you got your laptops ready, right? <laughs> never in my basketball career, never have I felt like Bambi on ice mm. the way that Ben Gordon did me in those 12 minutes I was guarding him in Ooh. that game. Put you on skates. Oh, man toying with me toying with me yeah the ball was a yo-yo and i wasn't getting close <laughs> wasn't close yeah back and forth side to side just playing with me looking at me in the eyes like son you do not have a chance Damn. you do not have a chance almost rolling it at me daring me like come here come grab it unbelievable man never have i felt like that i played against a few good players yeah through my years nothing like that experience in grade 11 man ben gordon lit me up like it was it wasn't even close right it wasn't even close in any sense i take a little lunge at the ball he just blow right by me and like hit me with his hip and i fell down (laughs) it was crazy guy it was crazy they went on to win the tournament he dunked all over us like just in lane big pooties right in our face Dunskies, Dunskies. But we did give him the best game of the tournament. That's my Ben Gordon story. The best player I ever played against with my own eyes. Like, unbelievable player. Unbelievable player. A few years later, he went on, goes on to win. We're talking about UConn. He goes on to win a national championship with UConn. Plays with the Chicago Bulls. Yeah. Most memorably, has a decent NBA career. But, yeah, Ben Gordon lit me up like a fucking Christmas tree. <laughs> and it hurt. It still hurts. If you can't tell. <laughs> But you live to tell about it. That's awesome. Barely. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> UConn legend. I love it. Well, we'll see if they'll make some more history uh, in the next few days. Um, they, I think they're the team to beat. Um, they're before, the favorites heading in. They're the favorites. They're their highest remaining seed. Like I said, they've been rolling through. You know, let's see if anyone can stop them. Just a quick, a few quick words on these other teams. Um, Miami. I like, if anyone's going to do it, I think it's Miami. And I think Miami, hey, the bags have paid off. Isaiah Wong, our kid, uh, I think his name is Miller. He's a lefty. We love a lefty. Love a lefty. Had the the perfect game last last game, seven of seven from the field, thirteen of thirteen from the the line. Mm. 
uh, led that comeback against Texas. I thought that game was gone, dead, and buried. I went out and played tennis and came home, and I was very surprised to see Miami made their first run. My guy, Jim Laranega. He Formerly took George, George Mason, Mason University, Fairfax VA, represent. Mm-hmm. And he's back here. He he likes Miami so much, he put a tilde in his name. Have you seen this this week? No. Yeah. He used to be Jim Laranega, and now he's like Jim Laranega. Really? A little Look ac- it up. A little accente. Yeah, a little accente. See, si. Por favor, tilde. Whatever works. I heard, I heard an interview with Jim Laranega the other day. He said, he's like, why would I retire? He's kind of an older cat. He's, he's a little... in his 70s, I yeah, think. Yeah, he's like, yeah. Why, why would I? I'm in Miami. Weather's great. I'm getting the players. We just gave Colton Wong all this money. Fags dropping left and right. Again, shout out to Uncle Luke. <laughs> Base all in your face. So, yeah, Miami, I think they've got a chance. They're fun to watch because they just want to outscore you. They kind of are just that pickup team. Like, they're just like, oh, we're down eight. Let's turn this on right now. They don't play the best defense. Who, needs, got, who needs it? Who needs it? But it's fun. I li- That's why I like college ball. You can just get these different flavors of different teams. Oh. Miami's got a different style. And the other game is a very different style, too. SDSU, San Diego State, they play like a UVA-type team. They want to be in a rock fight they want to drag you yeah. into the mud they want yeah. to keep it under 60 which and... you don't think of with a west coast team like no. that. that's not usually what you assimilate with a west coast team you're thinking running gun. with a west coast team um former longtime michigan assistant brian dutcher he's been the coach there for a while right yeah man the most notable san diego state grad is nba champion Kawhi leonard the right he's, yeah. yeah he's sort of he's sort of not the face of the program but he's their sort of highest graduate yeah man and then uh you know, SDSU, they've got FAU, like I said, Beach Boys all around. Uh, Florida, they, Florida, excuse me, Florida Atlantic, they got this big Russian kid. I think he's like a seven footer. He's got the Drago haircut. His name's Vlad Golden. Oh, great handle. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. Vlad Golden? Yeah, Vlad Golden. Golden with an eye. And um, <sighs> that's even better. <laughs> I must break you. He he broke some dudes from K State the other day. He dunked on a cat. The guy tried to take a charge, and he's dunked on him and gave him the stare down. I was like, "Ooh, good for little Florida Atlantic." Cool. Yeah, getting man. getting in. They only had three losses this year. Obviously, a quality team, yep. but not a big school that nobody really notices until the tournament. And they've they've carried on and sort of rode the wave, considering they're Beach Boys. And it's look at them in the Final Four. They're a nine seed, and they've gotten here. And anything could happen at this point. The tournament is really just two games, obviously. So they get by SDSU. Maybe they play UConn. Maybe they play Man. They'll you know UConn or Miami, and they got to look at it. They're a solid team. They took out our K State team that mm. we loved, and they got it done. Um, they like to get up and down the court. Like I said, they got Golden inside. They got guys that can hit threes that's how they got back Mm. into the game their wings and guards can knock it down um so yeah let's see what's happening and speaking of knocking it down speaking of shooting the three ball speaking of sight lines i want to talk about the fact that this is being played in a gigantic barn in houston and i always have a beef with this maybe we've talked about it before but why are we playing these final four games in these huge stadiums i don't think they're conducive to quality basketball what say you I think this weekend will be played in Reliance Stadium, home of the Houston Texans, right? Football. Yeah, exactly. Football. <laughs> the classic look of the Final Four with the with the court sort of set high, the players sitting down below, the head coach up on his little stool away from the rest of the team. God, I hate that look. <laughs> Sight lines will be tough like we talked about in a previous pod. 
hard to shoot with all those, not just the people behind, but coming off the roof. It takes a lot, a lot to adjust to that, I think. Yeah, these teams, I mean, they're just trying to get asses in seats, JC. That's what they're looking for. But man, if the players don't like it or if they don't sell out, heaven forbid there's any empty seats up high. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Sometimes when we move to these gyms for the Final Four weekend, that first game or the first half of these games as the players acclimate to these gyms is just an absolute brick fest. And you can see that the the jumpers aren't right because these... These players haven't really got used to the settings and the surroundings, and it's just clanky, clanky, clank. Yeah. A lot of rebounds in the first half because it takes a while. Because, as you said, it is so different from what they're used to. Obviously, they're used to stands and fans behind, but it's just something about these football stadiums really throws it off. In Indianapolis, it's the same thing. And it's so weird, the little the coach in his little stool above his team as he looks down at his players, hey, I need a sub, get your ass in there. <laughs> There's something odd about that, too. I agree. Yeah, it's it's a weird setting. I don't think it's conducive for the fans that are in the building either. And obviously, the, the, the like you said, the product overall suffers. The yep. fans at home don't get a quality product either. I know they, like you said, they want to get asses in seats. They want to make that money because NCAA is all about them ducats. But... I feel like let's move away from this, get into a smaller barn and we could have success. And really, a lot of people are going to be watching at home. I don't know. It's not a good look. And and also while we're bearing our grievances here, another one is the women are playing Friday and Sunday, which I love because that's your whole weekend. You can watch. It's it's just a good setting. It's sensible. It's sensible. Men are playing Saturday, which is great. It's fun. It's a nice way to just you know, block out four or five hours of your Saturday. But then the final game is on a Monday, and typically that's in, like, the Eastern Standard Time uh, around, like, 9 o'clock or so, maybe even later. I remember as a kid growing up in Virginia just going to bed and not knowing who's going to win. I Crazy. still have fond mem- – or not fond, actually, like, uh, the adverse of that. I have I have these memories of the D. Rose year at Memphis. I think they played Kansas, maybe, <coughs> and maybe that was the year that Chalmers hit the shot and won or what have you. Okay. But I remember going to bed not knowing who won the freaking game, and I was so, so enthralled. I loved Derrick Rose. I loved that Memphis team and that run they had going on. But I had to go to bed because I had to go to school the next day because it's freaking 11 o'clock or something. The game is being finished, you know, after midnight on the East Coast or whatever it is, depending on how, you know, timeouts and reviews and all this stuff. So it doesn't start till nine, like nine oh seven or something absurd on the East Coast. It's ridiculous, and all of these games have all the extra pomp and circumstance, like the Super Bowl, for example. So you know you're getting a little bit more at halftime, a lot more like uh, breaks and things. Extra breaks, longer breaks, just filler, trying to get that advertising budget in there, squeezing that last bit of cash out, the big logo in the middle of the court and everything, the sticker. So, yeah, man, it's just. I feel like those are some changes I would make if I had my my druthers and I was in control. You got a thought? Just to wrap up the NCAAs, how, where are you on the song One Shining Moment? The ball is tipped. How do you feel about One Shining Moment? Some people love it. Some people, I can see your face. Some people, some people do not love it, which I'm sort of sensing. Luther Vandross, the ball is tipped. What does it do? What does it do for you? I won't sing any more of it. I'm sensing you don't love it. Tell me. When they, when they hit the recap. What does it do for me? What does it do for you? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. 
nothing people speak about it with this reverence and everything mm-hmm. kind of in the same way they speak about like jim nance yeah. it's like fucking jim nance season right now yeah. masters are coming yeah. up all this stuff is uh, jim nance is on top of the world a lot but... of lot of jim nance talk hello friends well you'll see me with the azaleas next weekend at the masters my cucumber sandwiches and cheese sandwiches and all that bull I, so the, so you don't like the one shiny like moment. It. You I don't, don't like, like the you don't, don't like the musical it. montage at no. the end. It doesn't do anything for you. Nope. Doesn't recap. Well, usually the I was turn- asleep. Yeah. Well, it's midnight. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't do anything for me. But I know that they're like the diehards, the hardos. They have this like like I said, a reverence yeah. or a, a love for it. I I love a montage. I love a compilation of, of moments. Yeah. I mean. I'll be honest. It'd be really cool to see like a little flashes of like Noel throwing up or uh, our guy Noel throwing yep. up an alley oop or like hitting a step back Jay like some of these buzzer beaters like the kid from uh, from Furman for example. Yes, nice. FDU making nice. that big upset. Nice. That stuff that's cool. Like it is heartwarming, but like the whole production of it, I feel like let's move into the twenty first century. It's too much. Yeah, it's a little too much for me. Who's who's gonna win the games? By the way, we didn't even talk about it. Who do you, who do you think gonna win before we we get to this next bit? I'm I'm pulling for Miami. I feel like UConn is sort of the betting favorite. Yeah. But I I'm kind of I would like to see Miami do it. I know that's one of the semifinals, so that'll really that'll really be the test. For some reason, I want anyone other than UConn. I don't know why I feel that way. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I'm not sure why. Yeah. I, I would love to same Miami for me. I think UConn's gonna win it, unfortunately. Yeah. Or, or depending on what side of the coin you're on. But I'm worried that it's gonna yeah. be UConn and San Diego State in the final at Monday night at nine oh seven Eastern. And the final score is gonna be like I said to you to you today on the phone, the final score is gonna be fifty nine fifty three or sixty one fifty one and it's gonna be a little bit dry. I don't love that, JC. I don't love it either. And I, I immediately when we were talking about that on the phone, I was like, I don't want another TCU versus Georgia, Georgia. final like we had in the, the college football championship, right? Yeah, I just want, a stinker. Yeah, I want a quality product in the year. It's been a really fun tournament, and, mm-hmm. I, and I want that. So I'd love to see, if I had it, Miami, Florida, uh, FAU, yeah. two uh, neighboring-ish sure. Sure. Uh, teams. I think it'd be really cool if FAU just continued to ride out this run and win the whole freaking thing. That'd be pretty neat. How cool would that be? That'd like, be cool. Nobody knows yeah. the school. You nobody know, really? knows really. Like Lane Small Kiffin school in a... Boca Raton? Yeah. Retirees all around? Yeah. That'd be so cool. That'd be so cool. A different Final Four this this year, though, JC, right? Not the Blue Bloods, not the Kentuckys, not the Kansases. Um, Arizona bounced in the first round. Yeah. Sort of not those, those big-time college basketball power Duke, North Carolina, uh, nobody from the Big Ten. Insert your favorite big. Those teams are all out, right? It's this. UConn is a blue blood, but these other schools kind of interesting. I'm, I'm wondering what this is going to do for the sport. This the parity in college basketball has shifted with the NIL and the transfer portal. Yeah, things have shifted. I think in the long run, it's probably great. I think this is just a weird year. A year ago, it was Carolina. We were looking at Caleb Love. Caleb Love doing his thing. I remember being enthralled with his game in the championship game last year for Hubert Davis and the and the Carolina Tar Heels. So I think it's just sort of how this tournament's shooken out, which happens from year to year. But interesting without the Blue Bloods, I wonder what the viewership will be, if the average fan will get into it because Kansas isn't playing, because Louisville's not playing. Kind of just different kind of year, I think, JC. I agree. 
Will people care? Will we have eyeballs on the product this weekend? And like you said, Caleb Love this week uh, declared for the portal a year ago. He was in the championship game minutes away from all the glory and all the glitz. And now he's he's walking away. UNC had a tough year. My guy, Amanda Baycott, is coming back, which I'm a bit curious to, yeah. honestly. But, yeah. Um, so Love's leaving. My guy, Ace Baldwin Jr., oh. A-10 player of the year, VCU. VCU Ram, yeah. VCU had Where's some, he going to go? Yeah, their coach left for Penn State. They've got a Dave Odom's kid, Ryan Odom, coming into the mix now. He left. He's going to be coveted. But just in general, it's a microcosm for what's been going on this year. Miami, we talked about, obviously, dropping bags to get here, different different teams it's the wild wild west everybody's a free agent things are moving it's all being shaken up and we reached a new era in college sports and especially have, college basketball have. it's anything could happen there's parody i like it as we move towards these kind of super conferences like yes. we were just talking about uh off mic usc ucla moving to the big 10 moving to the midwest ge- geographically makes yeah. zero sense yeah um, you know, we see these big shifts and realignment and everybody's yeah. trying to grab a piece of the pie and, yes. the, and the rights for TV money and all that stuff. And yeah. then, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a really, uh, like a tipping point, like pivotal point Is in it ever? the kind of history of college athletics. With the key being that, I mean, it's so wonderful now that these players and this labor force is starting to get a piece of the pie, even if it's connected to their social media, as we talked about last week. But it's so great that these players are finally getting some of that dough and it's not just going to the coaches and the figureheads of these programs. But to your point, Jamal, it really is shifting the landscape. And what's it going to look like in a couple of years when this sort of NIL early NIL era kind of levels out and maybe finds its place and how it actually operates. Cause right now it is absolutely the wild west. It is, it is uncle Luke just throwing bags at people and, and the coldest Ferguson doing a, an air conditioning commercial because <laughs> and good on him and good on him. Right. But it's, we still haven't kind of figured out what this is going to look like. It's still the natural process of, of what's going to happen here. Like we haven't hit the end of that. Great callback, by the way. The coldest Ferguson, like the one of all-time handles, and for him to do like an air conditioning commercial in Nebraska, perfect. Get out of here, perfect. So good. Um, you watch a little bit of the McDonald's All-American game, and I did. Bronny James, you had some feelings on that. Um, as you put some some son some family ties coming into this, right? We've got yeah DJ Wagner's kid. Uh, sorry, Milt and Dewan Wagner's son and grandson, DJ Wagner, who's the yeah. number one player in the country, going to Kentucky yeah. probably for a year. What's he getting paid by Coach Cal for one <laughs> for six months in Kentucky? He's probably not taking those spring classes next year, yeah, I doubt. Yeah, yeah, he's not. <laughs> I don't think he's looking at second semester courses right now. Basket weaving. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it was intro, uh, you know, or interesting. I should say, Nepo babies is a is a, something I wrote down in our notes here because you've got Wagner, he was the MVP of the game. I think there were some other kids that are you know descendants, if you will, or like uh, progeny of NBA legends and and guys that have made it to the league. Obviously, Bronny James being at the top of that list. Dewan Wagner, sorry, just to circle back on the number one player. Um, in the of the country this year, man. Remember when Dewan Wagner came out? The hype around him, covers and covers on Slam Magazine. Yeah, uh, ended up playing one year at Memphis. Yeah, for the aforementioned Cal, right? I mean, those are the days when he was getting bags under the table, right? What how that landscape to, has shifted in one generation? 
that's a great callback. We were just talking about that. It's so wild that we've had that evolution. And like like you said, now he's playing for Cal. It's again. all above board. And it's all above board. He's going to go play at UK. There, I've seen some uh, footage of like their facilities there. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, it's it's wild. Like, wh- just the money that's, that's right. soaked into all of this. And these kids are going to come for a year. But it Bronny, was... Wait, Bronny? Now, Bronny... People are hot and cold on Bronny. Earlier yeah. in the year, I heard, oh, he's an All-American, but he doesn't... It's just name recognition alone. Thoughts have kind of changed. Like, people are kind of now into his game. He's yeah. only a, a junior. He's only a grade 11, playing at Sierra Canyon. Big school. Lots of lots of backers of that program as well. What was your take on how he played? I didn't see any of that game. What was your take? I watched a bit and saw him play um, as well. I saw kind of the footage that was like the the practice or like the mm-hmm. pre-game like the, earlier in the week and you know what i really like bronny james's mm. game mm. i think he's got a lot of potential you know I, I honestly will say i was a bit of a hater and was just thinking he's ron's kid yeah nepo baby getting a lot of run exactly yeah but he has great form he can knock down a shot he went five for eight from the three-point line splashing yeah 15 points even in the practice session he was knocking him down and catch and shoot hmm. he's about six two narrow shoulders a bit of a narrow frame which is interesting because lebron is you know the prototype like you'd put together any basketball player he's the blueprint absolutely and um and his brother bryce who's younger is a bit bigger i think bryce is like six five or six six and more of a like a stocky kid yes so it's interesting i'm curious to see where he tops out we've had late bloomers i mean I'm going to reference Giannis, you know, I mean, that's the all time, like late bloomer as far as size, like growth spurts late, late in your uh, teen years and such. Yeah. But I wonder, just, I just want to see I the things he he can shoot. He's got a pure shot. Mm-hmm. He's athletic. I saw him in the dunk contest. He's got some bounce to him for only six, two. Like you said, he's a junior. He's got more time to mature physically and mentally. He's got a great IQ. I think he's going to be, you know, briefly, I'll just dip into this water. LeBron, obviously, number one scorer ever in the league. But he's such a great facilitator, and yeah. I can see flashes of that. Cool. I'll admit I haven't, like, I haven't... I haven't grinded tape on sure. Bronny James. Not yet. Not yet. I'm not Billis. Yeah. But um, I can see that angle where he's a facilitator. He's like a 3-and-D, two-guard type, and, nice. and can make nice. a little run. And I think he could be a guy that contributes in the league in a few years. Well, the thought is that LeBron wants to hang out long enough in the league to play with Bronny, right? So they can they can ride together for the Detroit Pistons, and he can play one sure. year with his kid. How cool would that be? It would be pretty epic. I mean, King Griffey pretty... Jr., King Griffey, I remember that. Nice. that was Gordy cool. Howe. Yeah, yeah. It would be really special and cool to see that. So... There's word on the street is he hasn't committed committed yet, but the word on the street is he's gonna go to uh, the old Buckeyes. How the, do you feel if Bronny the, James becomes an Ohio State Buckeye? The Bucks. I prefer if he was a zip of Akron. That would make more. That would be cool. Uh, that'd be cooler. <laughs> I I read somewhere today that he's sort of asking or he's estimated to make about seven point three million dollars in NIL money his first year, and he'll probably start getting some of that next year, his senior year in high school. Why? <laughs> I mean, sorry, not why. I get why, but like, like he needs anything. Well, like yeah. that, dad, dad probably throwing shoes at him right now. You want... Speaking of the Beach Boys, that's bringing sand to the beach. That money, that's pocket change. <laughs> that gets lost in his his range. I know it's it's wild, but it'll be interesting to see how things unfold. And and you're talking about the uh, 
the the big eyed mouth watering guys looking at Ben Gordon. I'm sure like he's just his oh. mobile device is blowing up with with guys. Hey, Bronny, UCLA, USC, Ohio State, maybe Michigan. I don't know. Uh, maybe wouldn't that be great <laughs> if Jawan pulled that? Wouldn't that be great? Coach Jawan needs that. That would be great. He does. Oh. He needs a win right Coach now. Coach Jawan needs, <laughs> he needs a, a win. dub. Now, and that's the biggest uh, high school event for players south of the border. In Canada, we call it the the BioSteel game, which happens this Sunday. Yeah, it's the Sunday. The girls and the boys are Sunday. Uh, BioSteel. I prefer it to Gatorade, by the way. You do? Side note. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had BioSteel. I, I got a couple admit. of packets upstairs. I hook you up on the way out. BioSteel wants to sponsor the pod. Let's have it. Oh, I'd love it. Shit ain't cheap. So <laughs> No. <laughs> So uh, just looking at the bias, so I did a little bit of quick, lazy internet uh, research. Going to run off a few things here for you. On the girls' side, one interesting thing is we have four girls participating in the game who are from our beautiful province, mm-hmm. British Columbia. Zero boys from BC. I'm going to come back to that. It's a yeah. very Ontario-heavy uh, boys uh, you know, roster. It always is. Yeah. And then just some names I want to throw at you on the boys' side. I'll do my best with this uh, pronunciation. Michael Nwoko. He's a 6'10 center. He's from Ontario. He prays for uh, the aptly named Prolific Prep. I think it's in Napa, California. If mm. you know, you know. And he's a U of Miami uh, commit. So, you know, University of Miami dropping bags, getting to the Final Four. This Toronto kid's to Napa, Toronto to wine country, and then down to Miami. Pretty good living. Not bad if you can get it as a high schooler. Yeah, I mean. Those... Better than going to Edmonton to get your ass kicked by Ben Gordon. <laughs> The winters just keep getting better for this kid, for sure. No kidding. Um, yeah, and I've seen some highlights of him playing for the Canadian national team at his age group, um, playing against uh, Argentina, and he was dominant. Just anything in the lane, he was winning boards. He's he's a traditional five, traditional cool. center. Cool. And the other kid worth mentioning is, uh, I, I'm a, he's from Montreal, so I'm guessing this is a francophone name, but Jordan Dumont, well or Jordan Dumont, okay. if you're, you're from where I'm from. But... Um, Six eight small forward from Montreal plays his ball in Tennessee and Chattanooga for an academy there, and he committed to Villanova. We were talking about Philadelphia earlier. Villanova's kind of you know they had those Jay Wright years with success, yeah. and they've taken a little bit of a dip. So let's see if he can bring them back to the uh, the mountaintop. And just in general, some other notes: uh, there were lots of uncommitted players. It's kind of the antithesis of what you see in the McDonald's, where everybody's kind of signed their contracts, they know where they're going next year, they've got their money coming in. Right. And a lot of these kids are playing for their meal ticket uh, in this game on Sunday. And as well, something I noticed: there's a lot of kids that are at prep schools in the USA. And they're taking their trip down south, making a name for themselves, getting some tape, getting some run, mm-hmm. playing in these big tournaments. Mm-hmm. That's how they're getting noticed. And then they're going on and making their uh, their debuts at some of the U.S. universities and, and hopefully going on to the league. So a couple of points there. I just wanted to ask you, what do you think about the, the dearth of uh, BC boys within the game and the roster we have here? The fact that there's zero. Yeah, the fact that there's zero. And then also kids going abroad there's even some kids playing at the nba academy in mexico i saw that i saw that yeah and that they're uh they're coming back home for this uh this this big game yeah just a little bit on your thoughts there jk first off these games have always been predominantly east coast toronto centric where they get their players now i don't know if this is just an odd year you'd think there'd be a player from vancouver vancouver island with given the populations especially in the lower mainland and quality high school basketball being played 
surprising that there's not someone that they deemed worthy to go back for this Biosteel game. I find that kind of interesting. I, I think that it would be my piggybacking on my Toronto-centric comment. Like Through the years, you know, the people that make these events often don't look outside the GTA. A couple of kids from Montreal, a couple 6'10 kids from Montreal or whatever, like clear ballers and athletes. I, I would like to see more of that um, in from the men's side in, in BC. That's surprising me, JC. I do not like that. Lots of Albertans in the on the women's roster, though. A yeah. couple from Saskatchewan, a couple young women from BC on that team, too. So clearly they have their eyeballs and antennas out there if they're finding that maybe it's just a down year for BC. I hope. I, I hope. I hope. It's interesting because you see all of the talent here that has emerged and you, we you know, earlier in the year, we were talking about UVix run and, sure, and Diego the core. Mafia. Yep. The core of that that team was uh, was BC centric. Yeah, it right. Was. And, yeah, it was. And then as well, you see like within the um, the high school ranks, you see Oak Bay having a lot of success. Mm-hmm. And some of the schools on the island, some of the schools in Vancouver. I would think that they're producing athletes that would compete at this level, but maybe I'm remiss or wrong. I should say to mm-hmm. to say that, but the you, the the top top really top tier top tier players have always gone down south to play prep basketball i shouldn't say have, have always but but often those top end men and women have, will play their last year or prep year down south that's been happening since i was a kid yeah they've been going down there and in the last little while the canadian academies and prep schools have have built out their infrastructure orange orangeville prep I guess it's in in Orangeville, Ontario, has really started to develop a program. Those academies are blowing up in every big city. There's another great one in Edmonton. We need one of those here in Victoria that's a little bit more sort of basketball at the forefront instead of hockey or lacrosse. We need a little bit more of that here. Those do exist in in larger cities. And like I said, people have always been, that top-tier player has always been going down, but it'd be nice to see some of those athletes, those Canadian athletes, stay home and maybe, you know, the top three out of the top five go down south, go to a place like Tennessee or whatever the program is, because obviously they can lure the talent. Those kids have the schedules to get the exposure to end up at a big time school, which clearly they're capable of playing at. But yeah, a little bit more for the, maybe some of the Canadian athletes and clearly in the boys case for the biosteel game for the, for the British Columbians. I know. I'd like to see it, man. Hopefully in the future we can we can uh, farm that talent. That There's a young point guard um, on the women's roster named Delaney Gibb. Okay. An insider in the uh, in the high school basketball scene, girls high school basketball scene in Alberta. My pal Travi was telling me about she's from Raymond Small School. But man, they're producing players. And this Delaney Gibb, apparently I've checked out some of her stuff on Instagram. Like she can play. What a hooper point guard. Probably going to end up at Utah. I'm okay. S- I think she's probably Mormon. I think she's going to end up in Utah, if I can guesstimate. And there's a bit of a pipeline there, too. But, yeah, some of the – we're talking about the, the women's Final Four. Some of these players, these Canadian young women, are really coming on strong, man. It's pretty It's pretty cool. I love to see it. I love to see it. They're competing at the highest level. We're looking forward to the Olympics, and I think Canada is going to make noise on both sides. So it's always cool to keep taps on – you know, the origins and the grassroots of the game. Let's take a break. Let's take a break.
time to talk about tennis. With Jamal, let's get into tennis, JC. Your favorite sport, second favorite sport. The tennis world has shifted to Miami. Give me the update on what's happening in Miami and where are we in the tennis world? Yeah, man. Before we get to Miami, I just want to talk about the first part of the Sunshine Double, which was Indian Wells. Not a fan of that name, but it is what it is. Let's work on that. So, Indian Wells, I just want to say I had a bunch of friends went. Shout out to Ray, shout out to Libby, Michael, Sarah, all my folks down there. Hope you had fun. Hope you had fun. Maybe next year I will join you. It looked like a pleasant time. Let's take the pod to Palm Desert next year. Man, Spring Bray, that'd be awesome. Wouldn't it? Tennis Paradise, as they call it, everybody I've talked to in the past couple weeks had a glorious time there, an amazing time, nothing but praised uh, about this tournament and how it's run. You know, it was an interesting tournament. The courts play a bit slow. You're in the desert. The elements are, you know, something the players have to battle with because during the day it's hot, at night it's cold. You're in the desert. The wind kicks up too, so it's a really formidable set of uh, setting, basically. Definitely, we're definitely outside. When yeah. we're playing in these like we're outside we're outside yeah. this is not yeah it's the kind of in between seasons even though you're in the desert so a lot of things are going on all that being said our guy my guy el huracan oh i like that carlos Alcaraz overcame he survived in advance all the way through he took down medvedev in the final Medvedev's win streak stops at 19, which is crazy. Boom. Alcaraz, I believe, we'll talk about in a minute his record for the year, but he's 15 and 1, I think, on the year, which is absolutely bonkers. Mm. The only match he lost was he was basically injured. He was up a set and he was playing on clay down in South America, I believe in Buenos Aires, if I'm correct, or Rio. I can't remember, but one of the two. And he lost in the final to Cameron Nori after he sustained the leg injury. So he's just been on fire since he's recovered from that leg injury. He just keeps on plowing through. As a result of winning that, he's back at number one in the world. And he's 19? He's 19. Damn! He's 19. We talked about the things that we're doing at 19, and this kid is on top of the world. Calvin Klein adds Nike, killing it, number one in the world, winning Grand Slams. Made more money probably in that week than we'll make in the year. Maybe he can buy you a house. Maybe top him off rocks. <laughs> so yeah, um, Alcaraz is cruising. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. I'm sorry. I love you. Um, our guy, Alcaraz, is on top, back in number one. On the women's side, we had Elena Rebakina, Rebakina. There's various ways I've heard it pronounced, but hmm. she defeats her buddy uh, Sabalinka, who was the Australian Open champion, right. and as well as on the way, she beat Iga Swiatek, which is huge. Iga's number one in the world, has been dominant. She was the champ last year at Indian Wells. Sabalinka, I watched a bunch of that match. It was really, really intriguing because they went to a tie break in the first set. It was an extended tie break. I think it was like 12 to, 11, uh, to 10 or something like that. Sabalinka had set points several times and got the yips with her serve. And this is something that has plagued her throughout her career. In tight moments, she just sometimes forgets how to serve. She gets tight, tosses all over the Mm. place. She double faults, and she had 10 double faults in the first set alone, which that, Justin, is giving away 10 points. And when you... That is the yips. That's the definition of the yips. I mean, it was audible gasps from the crowd when she would like double fault on a a set point or a moment where you know she needed to come through in crunch time. Yeah. So that was 
honestly, it was difficult to watch. Mm-hmm. She went to the locker room at uh, the after the set, which you're you're able to do to kind of like reset. You're supposed to go to the bathroom. Uh, European players always like to say, "I had to go to the toilet," but anyway, she went. A lot of people just do that. Go take a hard stare in the mirror, maybe mm-hmm. like talk to their coach or whatever. She came back and she was deflated and she just kind of capitulated, honestly. Hmm. And uh, Rybakina wins. We'll see what happens this week uh, in Miami. Uh, I, I won't spoil it. I'll get to that in just a minute. But another thing I want to mention, just in that world of tennis and some things that transpire between Miami and Indian Wells was uh, Iga Swiatek switches over from ASICs, number one player in the world, switches from ASICs to ON, which is Roger Federer's brand, burgeoning brand. You've probably seen these sneakers all over the place. They kind of have a very distinct kind of like bubble form running shoe with the ON uh, logo. And as well... Switches uh, sponsors like mid-go? Mid yeah, I don't know what her ASIC situation was, but they basically just dropped a bag and she's like... I'm done. See you. I'm running huh. with Roger Federer's brand. Huh. So she is Roger. with on. His friends call him Roger. <laughs> wee wee. And, and as well, Ben Shelton, uh, this American that I'm totally in love with, he hit 147 mile per hour serve, by the way, in a match in Indian Wells, which is insane. He's a lefty <laughs> and we love a lefty. Love the lefties. 107 a, miles per hour? 147. <laughs> I don't know what that is in KMs, but it's fucking cooking. <laughs> yeah. I could, Celsius, I'm not even sure. <laughs> What's the exchange rate on 147 MPHs? Go on. I love it. It's got to be pushing 230 KMs. I I imagine somewhere up there, something like that. That's freaking fast. It's really freaking fast. So Shelton also is under the the on banner now, and that's pretty significant. (laughs) Young talent. He's like 19. He's NCAA champion. He's from Gainesville, played his ball in Gainesville. His dad is the coach at University of Florida. Go Gators, mm-hmm. Swamp, all that. So that's pretty cool. Iga got injured in the midst of all that. She had a rib injury, which I've played with a rib injury, and it is terrible. You, you just, it's really you can be in like unbearable pain. So she dropped out of Miami. So that's that's pretty significant. As we move on to Miami, I just like to say to you, my friend Justin, mm. Bienvenido a la lluvia de Miami. Lluvia. Very- Yuvia, I'm familiar with Yuvia. It's been rainy in Miami all week. Huh. And as a result, there's been so many matches that have been delayed or postponed and pushed back. And that's kind of been the talk of Miami. As well, I just want to talk about a few guys that have really kind of hit the skids and had a tough time in Miami and, and in Indian Wells. And that's Sitsipas. I believe he's at like number three, four in the world. He's had that shoulder injury plaguing him. And he has just basically i think he he wants to get right for the french open i don't know why he played these two tournaments honestly clay is his best surface and french open is the next major that's the next major which we're, is when it's gonna be may june i believe okay, okay so we're moving from miami it's the last big hardcore tournament in this stretch of the year mm-hmm. uh there'll be a clay court tournament in houston texas there'll mm-hmm. be another one in estoril uh, Portugal next week, and then there's another location that I'm failing. That they're everywhere, just globe trotting. But we're moving to clay consistently, Copy. Copy. and we're just kind of calibrating. There's Monte Carlo coming up, which right. is another Masters tournament. Yeah, this 1000 level. One. Yeah, yeah. There's Rome. There's Madrid, and then we're getting to uh, to Paris for Roland sure. Garros. So, uh, City Pass has been struggling as well. Our Casper uh, Rude. I, you know, I put in the notes here fatigue. 
he did a South American tour kind of in the essentially off season with Rafa Nadal. And I think he's just played too much tennis. I think he's burned out. He's a young cat. Hmm. He's Norwegian. He's been away from home for seemingly forever because he went on a tear last year. And the more tennis you play, the less you're at home because right. you're playing in all these tournaments and you're playing deep into these tournaments and deep into the week and two-week tournaments as well. And something's not right with him. He's losing matches he shouldn't lose. <laughs> and it's it's really interesting. These both guys are in the top five. And they haven't – I don't even know – I, yeah, they, they just haven't performed to the mm. level. So I'm curious about that. Berrettini also had, I think he's just, some players, I think, like Bianca Andrescu is another one. Yeah. They're just injury prone. And it stinks yeah. to see people with that much talent that are just suffering through injuries. One week it's a leg thing. Yeah. Another week it's a shoulder thing. And it's just. It's always something. It's always something. Bianca, she turned her ankle really, really bad this week in Miami. And she was flying high. She was playing really well. She's only 22, but you're already starting to think, like, how much more time are we going to see her? Because she won that U.S. Open a few years ago on top of the world. She won Indian Wells as well. Yeah. And she's just been suffering. So, But she can't sustain it. She can't stay healthy for a prolonged period of time. No, it stinks to see it because you, you want the best for her. She's fun. She brings so much energy to the court. Yeah. So, yeah, so those folks have been struggling. Chapo as well, man. He lost to Taylor Fritz, 6-4, 6-4 earlier in the week. He was playing well. Fritz has just been a beast, and he just Your ran Your guy, up Fritz. Against, yeah, man. He just ran up against, Chapo ran up against Fritz at the wrong time. Fritz lost today to Alcaraz in the quarterfinals, and I'm not mad at it. Fritz, he didn't he didn't win Indian Wells, obviously. He ran up against Sinner, who we'll talk about in a, in a minute ago. You Love, love a, a sinner. sinner. Love a sinner. <laughs> and yeah, so Fritz is playing well. He's just running up against guys that are on Hot. fire right now. Yep. Uh, I watched a little bit of that Alcaraz match. Just wanted to talk about that for a minute. He's on fire, man. It was so good. Fritz was was drop shotting him, lobbing him, trying everything, pulling everything out of his bag, seeing mm. what he could do, Cut. all of his tools. Cut. Alcaraz always had the answer. I think the score today was like six four, six two. It was a dominant performance by El Huracan. And I don't know if anyone's going to beat him. If anyone does beat him, I mean, he's in the semis now. He's playing center again. And I just want to say this. We could be looking at the next Roger Fe- uh, Roger Federer versus Rafa Nadal. Yes. This is a burgeoning rivalry. They played in Indian Wells. Cool. Uh, they played last year. Uh, the U.S. Open was the match of the year. Mm-hmm. And Alcaraz has come out on top, but center's getting better. He's he's changed his game a bit. He's getting to the a net. Center. Love a center. He's getting to the net a bit. He's got a new coach. He's doing a lot of good things. I think this could be the next five to ten years. Cool. This could be the marquee mm-hmm. matchup. And, and we need a rivalry. Sampras Agassi, right. Federer, Nadal, yep. uh, Djokovic, Nadal, Djokovic, Federer. Mm-hmm. We've always had these matchups, and it's it just adds so much spice to it. Does know? it ever. So I'm hoping that that's the case. I just briefly want to talk as well about a couple of guys under the radar somewhat if you're a casual fan that have had a great uh, set of weeks here. My guy, Adrian Manorino, the French with the Ita- French player with the Italian name, hmm. the lefty. He strings his racket, Justin, hmm. at probably around 25 pounds, just to give you how crazy that is. Um, the lower you string your racket tension, the harder it is to control because it creates like a trampoline effect. Okay. I string my rackets at about 52 pounds. He strings at about half of that. Really? And it's a really interesting technique that he uses. Okay. It looks 
so weird when he hits the ball because it looks like he's not even he's kind of just pushing it but then he hits the ball hard as shit hmm. so anyway he's he's played really well he's always fun to watch guy emil rusevori who's uh finnish is had oh, a great i'd like to week. buy a u on his last name <laughs> there's plenty of them to go around we got u's for everybody <laughs> um he's had a great week and the other surprise uh semifinalist is karen hachanov the, the russian player he's gonna be playing his fellow russian and my favorite octopus Daniil Medvedev. Oh, yeah, right. So that's going down. But the guy I want to single out here is Chris Eubanks, 26-year-old journeyman from Atlanta, 6'7", 180. He looks like a kid that... 6'7", 180? He looks like... Slender. He looks like someone OKC is going to draft next year. (laughs) Chet Holmgren's wingman? He looks... Yeah, he is just skin and bones. Like, if he was a package, it would be marked fragile. Like it, he, he's he's tall and slender, but he's got a Kevin huge... Eubanks. <laughs> Did you say Kevin Eubanks? What's his first name? Chris. Oh, Chris. Um, I've seen him up close and personal when I was in Washington D.C. last year. He's all of six seven. He's got a monster, huge serve. He he plays with a one hand backhand, which is really cool. You, you don't see as much of that these days. And like I said, is it's cool to see a journeyman. He's yeah. a black player. I've always got a heart for those guys. So he perhaps a late bloomer. We were talking late bloomer. He's a late bloomer. I think Love he played it. college ball, and he's just been qualifying, trying to get in tournaments. Nick. If you don't know, um, if you're outside of the top 100, often you've got to qualify to get in. So you're playing extra games just to get into the tournament. You're playing the weekend before. You're not making as much money. Guy's grinding. He's grinding. So he's a qualifier, Respect. and he's had to endure all of these rain delays mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And he's gotten to the point where he lost to Medvedev uh, today in the quarterfinal, but he's, can't, he's not going to hang his head because he broke into the top 100. Next week, he's going to be number 85 in the world. First time in his career. Cool. We've got 15 American men Love in the that. top Love 100. Yeah. Really cool to say, see it. He had an interview after one of the matches, and his dad told him before he left for the tournament, he said, just try to get out of the first round, son. <laughs> and he made it all the way to the second week, and he made, here's a stat you'll love. In his career, he's earned $1.3 million in his earnings for tennis. This week alone, he earned 200 k Good for him. Good for him. Might be able to buy a house on Moss Rock. <laughs> Again, too soon. <laughs> Actually, I don't think he will. <laughs> Probably not. I might get you a room. But, uh, yeah, so hats off. Great to see uh, Eubanks have some success as well. I love those stories of the guys who grind it out, men or women who grind it out forever and ever. I'm not a big golf fan, but you hear about those players, same sort of circuit with the with the PGA Tour and the Nationwide, and, yeah. and they just grind it out. Or, or a hockey player or a basketball player who plays in Europe forever, uh, plays in the minor leagues, air quotes, the minor yeah. leagues forever, and then finally in their late 20s, finally hits and has a nice run. You love to see that. You love those guys that just come out of nowhere, like the big grind, like you said. Like I was, we were talking about earlier, like uh, Facundo Campazzo. Yeah. Your, your guys that are kind of in obscurity, working, um, playing in Italy, playing in Argentina, yeah. playing ball wherever, off the radar, and then you just see him like, who's that backup point guard? Who's that thirty-two-year-old backup point guard? He's pretty good. I know. You just feel like it's like a video game character somebody just like made and just like inserted into the game. And you're like, whoa, who's this guy? And it's like, oh, yeah, he's been, he's been on the whatever national team for years. And yes. now he's got a look in the league. And yeah. He's making a difference, you know? Yeah. So it's really cool to see that those stories, those are the stories I really gravitate to and mm-hmm. really resonate with me when, I, when I'm when i watching sports. And, and that's part of my love for tennis. When you see these guys, there's like, don't give up. 
they're you know having to like stay in shitty hotels and like pay their way in a lot of these situations sure. and just have the belief that one day i'm just gonna catch a break i'm gonna catch a break and it's gonna open up so much opportunity and you see that with eubanks and it's so lovely nice nice episode seven in the books for the sports gloss Again, thanks so much to everybody for listening. Find us on Instagram at the Sports Class. We can get some fun feedback on there. Another week in the books, JC. Next week, we'll be talking the wrap of the NCAA tournaments. Let's have some more tennis, some some other life. Maybe you'll take another trip in the meantime. <laughs> A lot going on, Jamal. One more time, thanks to everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. Survive in advance.